Welcome to Target Cancer, a podcast about how health technology is affecting lives and changing the world for patients and oncologists. Hi, Paul. Hey, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good, good. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. So welcome. My name is Mika. Um, I'm the CEO of a company called Xcures. We work with cancer patients, help organize their data and information, help them manage it, um, help them and their doctors identify treatment options that they should prioritize in their discussion. And, uh, and we do this podcast. And the reason we do this podcast is what our mission is, is to try to learn how to treat cancer and to learn from everybody and all the experiences and try and put it together and, and help. And so uh, the point of that is thank you for coming on. And, thank you. Uh, I'll drink to that, yeah. even though it's coffee, yeah. but I will drink to that. There Great. Cheers. Right. Cheers. <laughs> good morning. Um, Mr. Good morning. So um, tell us about you. Tell us about your journey and your experience. Um, and uh, let's just start there. Sure, sure, absolutely. Uh, in 2007, I was uh, diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm-hmm. And after uh, five years of going through that, or as I like to call it, being slightly out of uh, society for a while, I recovered. I've been healthy ever since. And so uh, a lot of people are using different terminology now, which I think is very uh, wonderful and courageous and admirable. I no longer use the term survivor because I'm no longer surviving. That's when you're in the middle of it, you feel like you're surviving. And the new term is thriver, meaning people who have gone through such a tragic experience, difficulties, and then choose to do awesome stuff after. So I guess I'm saying I'm awesome. Uh, As well as people who have gone through it. You're awesome, yeah. So uh, five years of treatment. Uh, Tell us about, um, and, and one of the things that I try to learn and understand is, um, what happened like that made you realize you had cancer? Like what are the things to kind of people should be aware of? And then how did the process kind of happen of you figuring out what your treatment options were going to be? And then, you know, kind of that initial stage kind of, and what I, I, I ask people is what are the information resources that helped you there? Like were there things that happened that were really useful to you that you think other people should just really know about that were part of that initial process? Absolutely. Absolutely. And because uh, people get the feeling and the excitement that this is live and happening right now, you'll excuse me for a moment while I put in my Invisalign so I can speak clearly. Here we go. Of course. Yeah. Yes. Which is a result of my treatment, which we could always talk about later. So how did it affect me? A portion of my body, there is a tube that transfers fat, leaked into my stomach, and I looked like what I would call a drunk cowboy. You know, these really skinny guys that have a really big gut because they like a little too much beer. So mm-hmm. the fat and these liquids were distended. My stomach was distended. And From your lymphatic, that's your lymphatic system, right? Correct. Is that, correct. Yeah. And so when I had trouble breathing and I had this big gut, you know, I I'm, don't have a six pack. I mean, normally I have a one pack, but that was an extended uh, two pack. Uh, one, yeah, two pack, exactly. And uh, so I went to the hospital and I discovered that the liquid had gone from my stomach to my chest. My right lung was 100% full and my left one was 80% full. Wow. So, which is funny because even though I grew up at the beach, I'm afraid of water and here I am almost drowning within myself. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, So, simply put, I was in the hospital and I was unable to leave, meaning I was connected physically to machines that were inside portions of my body draining the fluid and at the point that I wanted to leave and to investigate more natural treatments, non-invasive treatments before receiving 
any form of current treatment, I was unable to physically leave the hospital. So I did a portion of my treatment in the hospital itself. Got it. So it had actually gone really far. It sounds like you had progressed. That's, I mean, you were in a pretty serious condition when you went to the hospital for the first time. Um, uh, yes, I had a growth, which, as you know, was different than a tumor. It was a growth that was not attached to any organs. Mm -hmm. It was the size of, as they told me, one and a half bowling balls, That's which huge. is fascinating to me that all of that could fit into the body. And what's also interesting is they took this modern technology x-ray and they kept looking at it and not seeing any organs. And maybe they thought I was some kind of artificial intelligence or alien life form. But what had happened, it had mer it had circled the organs, and all they were seeing was a black space. So they had to diffuse that growth uh, within me in order to uh, allow all my organs to function properly. So you went through that procedure in the hospital, and then... Um for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, my understanding, there's there's actually a whole bunch of, you, you were talking both like uh, uh, chemotherapies and then other treatments. What, what were the treatment options that you actually considered during that time? Well, unfortunately, uh, I didn't have any other options because the hospital provided chemotherapy uh, first and foremost after a short period of uh, time in the hospital, after they drained all the fluid. Mm -hmm. uh, originally, as I was there, my thought was, how can I research this? How can I approach this naturally, non-invasive as an initial step? However, because I was physically bound to machines and I was told that if I were to not choose this option of, I had two experimental surgeries also while I was in there and two mm -hmm. procedures to fill the holes within my body, then, I did the chemotherapy treatment after. Got it. So had you left the hospital then, or it sounds like they started chemotherapy in the hospital. Started in the hospital, two infusion, two or three. Uh, and then I did the remaining two after, or three. It was a total of six infusions. And my personal choice was not to continue the infusions or the treatment or the chemotherapy after, because I was told after three um, treatments with chemotherapy, the growth and everything was gone, but they said their protocol was to continue. And I did continue. I, I followed the protocol despite my instinct to search for alternate treatments, or I, sh I shouldn't say alternate treatments, different and varied non-invasive treatments since I had already gone through some of them or half of them. So when you said five years, were you, you weren't under treatment for those five years. That was kind of the time. So how, how long was the kind of treatment period? Yeah, the treatment period itself, well, first first of all, I was in the hospital for a total of 73 days. Wow, that is a which, long time to be in the hospital. It is. I found out, oh. yeah, I found out from uh, nurses, and every, every job has information that the general public doesn't know, that often 60 days is when you don't quite make it out. So uh, I, I, I tell people, I'm, I'm a living miracle. Here I am, you know. I've only promoted nice. myself twice as awesome at a living miracle. Yeah. Cool. Welcome to Narcissism uh, Podcast. This is Paul. He'll be here with Paul. us today. Uh, so the treatment itself took approximately, and I'm estimating because it was more than 10 years ago, and I was a little bit hazy at the time, as you can imagine, about a year. 
And the reason I say five years is because the way I look at a tragic event, whether it be physical or life-threatening or even emotional, think of this, you're standing in front of a pond and you have a massive, almost like a boulder, but a rock, not a pebble, but a rock that you can barely hold and you throw into this tiny pond. That massive splash is your tragedy. And those ripples just seem to keep on going. No matter how long you look down and wait for them to stop rippling and rippling, they keep on going. 10 years later, I have Invisalign because the treatment cracked every single one of my teeth from here all the way back down the middle and I had to replace them. Wow. But you know, I live in Los that- Angeles, so it's a requirement to have one thing fake on your body. So I respect that. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so was that from the surgeries or not from the chemotherapy? What caused the... I had an allergic reaction to some medication in the hospital Mm. and it caused me to have a temperature of 108 degrees, which is a little warm. Uh, That's a little hot. June or July here in Los Angeles. Right. Uh, I'm allergic to iodine and a lot of people know it as crustacean or lobster, shrimp, crab. You eat it and you get a little scratchy here or here. Imagine that flowing through your body with an injection. Yep. So long story short, standing in the middle of my room, completely naked, covered in towels, ice pouring on me, soaking wet to try to combat the the heat within me. And then I get an injection and then my body does what it does. It fights it and I start shivering and then I pass out essentially. And then a few hours later, I woke up and I said to the nurses, I said, wow, uh, gosh, for five minutes, I was shivering. And they said, no, 45 minutes. We mm-hmm. had to put a towel in your mouth and you shivered the entire time. So once I finally recovered approximately five years later from the whole ripple effect, when I went to the dentist, he asked me if I had been in a head-on car collision. Wow. And I answered, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> That's what tragedy is. Those, those right. life-threatening events. So it was cr- the teeth were all cracked from here on all the way all the way back and also could be when you go through certain treatments that affect your body you lose minerals and, mm-hmm. and nutrients that can make your teeth strong but by january 2022 i will have my beautiful smile all back wonderful teeth. wonderful you're thriving as you said you're I a thriver my teeth are thriving yes. as well right right <laughs> wonderful so um, just having gone through all of this, and it sounds like, you know, you wanted to try some different treatment options. You ended up with kind of one set as you went through it. Any advice for people just of like how to think about, so like you said, you you came with the rock to the edge of the pond. Like mm-hmm. at that moment now in reflection, is there something you wish had happened differently or that you say, wow, I'm so glad I did that. That one thing that happened, that was just like the make or break decision. Everybody should know that. Like what what's that kind of nugget in there that? And nugget is a good word since we're talking about rocks, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I am a person who is unapologetically positive. A friend of mine said, hey, Paul, if you were on a a ship and it sank and you're on a life raft for days, you would look up and say, wow, what a beautiful day it is. So despite looking back, I try not to live in a sense of regret, but I do feel that it's good to be introspective and look back. Uh, Speaking of that rock, to recognize that although it is a rock, it is a series of nuggets, pebbles, and you do have other options. If there is an opportunity 
even before you or anyone may be sick, why not research it just in case a family member? Because we know the statistics. I would say look for all natural, non-invasive approaches to being healthy, regardless of what number they give you. Because if you're here, you're breathing, you're talking, you're having coffee in the morning, you can do your own research. Mm -hmm. And my second response to that is something that I didn't do mentally. And I'm very impressed with how people are these days. They're so brave and so their vulnerability is so incredibly impressive and courageous and brave. I withheld everything I was going through. As you can see from the short time we're together, uh, I'm a very open, transparent. Yeah, you're very open. Like, I'm surprised to hear that. That that, yeah. that doesn't seem like you, just even from this interaction. Yeah, and the thing is, that's how I've always been. And what happens sometimes, we uh, label ourselves. I'm an outgoing, friendly guy who everyone can call, and they can lean on me, and I can be their friend. I'm, I'm a leader. Uh, I bring people together. I have events for no reason, and people come together and uh, create friendships. And because of that, a part of me kept it within, and I didn't reach out to others. I didn't express myself. I didn't show my weaknesses. I didn't um, give other pop opportunities for other people to step up. In fact, limited their options by not being totally transparent and totally honest. So I would say if somebody is going through any health crisis, mental or physical, the best thing you can do is just get it out. Yeah. with the people you trust. Don't let the people who you don't know, that means the internet, especially Twitter, let that affect you. Reach out, continue to be vulnerable, open, and express yourself because I feel like that's an additional, maybe most important part of your recovery. And you bring up a topic. I, talk to, I hear people talk about it, which is like your relationships with people when you're going through something like cancer or, or to your point, any health crisis, your relationships with people can change. And so yes. what I hear you saying is like, you got to embrace that change is that's a scary thing, right? We all have like our place, right? And where we feel like we fit in and that's who we are. And, you know, I have a narrative. I tell myself about who I am. Mm -hmm. Right. And any disruption to that kind of is like, Oh, that could be really difficult. Right. And you're just saying like, let it out, like share with people and use that community. Um, uh, did you end up, you said you kind of held it in. Did you end up going online and doing the social advocacy groups and and all of that? Was that part of what you ended up no, doing or no? I no. did not. And again, I don't want to use the word regret, but I wish I had because um, what I notice is that a lot of people and there are lots of organizations now that are just incredibly helpful. They're supportive and wonderful. And I don't mean financially. I mean, as far as you, how you are mentally. Um, for me at the time, I felt isolated and I did that to myself. And also we have to recognize that people are uncomfortable with illness right. and we can't say, I want you to be better at this. I need you to do this. We have to take people for what they are. Uh, for me, when I went back to see the oncologist a year, year and a half or so later, uh, during the middle of the treatment, um, my doctor, Dr. Klein, of course I called him Calvin, uh, said Calvin, uh, Calvin says to me, so how's everything going? Chit chat, chit chat. And, uh, uh, he's an older gentleman. And he says to me, so how are you handling your PTSD? And I said, Calvin, uh, with all due respect, uh, I admire all that you do. You're getting up there in age, but 
I am not a military veteran. Right. Shows you how ignorant I am. Post-traumatic stress disorder. Right. It's not just military veteran, uh, military or people have gone. It's people who have gone through tragic experiences. Happens to all of us. Yeah. yeah. And if I something bad happens to you that it happens. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Me. And yes. yeah. so when, when I, when he said, no, that can be, and he explained to me and I became more educated and I thought to myself, huh, what did I do? How did I get through this and become somewhat of a, an effective citizen, decent uh, person who provides a beautiful person. You're an awesome person, uh, right? That's right. Awesome. And what was the other compliment I paid myself? Well, I'll find more later. Well, yeah. um, what I did was perform and mm -hmm. I put up live shows, which are sketch comedy. And I wrote, I had the scripts already and I wrote more. And what I did was I put myself on stage for the first one. And then the mm -hmm. second one, I let the uh, I had the other actors perform so I can give myself time to rest. The things that I wrote for myself had a limited dialogue. So I didn't have to speak too much because my breathing capacity was quite limited. And I did that for the next two, two and a half years. And then ultimately, I took that material, and it's called channel surfing, as you can see, shameless self-promotion yep. that I have back here. Um, and I ended up filming it, putting it together, and having events that raise not only awareness but money for people who have gone through cancer and this is more of the emotional aspect and it was called comedy crushes cancer and that's awesome. how i got through it i love it so that's so you actually took your experience you built a show around it right that's is is that online like can i can i go and see it now or absolutely. is it an ongoing absolutely. thing like, it's on okay. uh, youtube that's probably the most direct place to go and it's channel surfing studios and people Channel say, oh, studios. studios, you own a studio. Paul, that's so impressive. I say, no, I started these videos from my studio apartment. Right. <laughs> now, if you type in channel surfing, it's a really great cooking show. You can learn how to make a wonderful broccoli and cheese quiche. Uh, right. So it is channel surfing studios and a bunch of silly sketches, very lighthearted, uh, a lot of physical humor. And I have taken those, done these events, and I'm doing more now. And also part of it is that people will see me and they'll say, oh, this was really great. When did you, uh, when did you do these? And I said, oh, I started producing them uh, from when I was in bed for two and a half to three years, right. recovering from cancer. And I feel that motivates people and inspires them. And also people who haven't gone through anything gets their lazy butt off the couch saying, the couch. man, this guy, he went through that and he made 24 two and a half to four minute sketches. And he's had three big events in his hometown of San Diego, Los Angeles and Hollywood mm -hmm. and had a fourth one schedule until the lockdown happened. And here I am complaining that, uh, you know, my milk went bad for my coffee this morning. So right. I feel not only is it beneficial for me because it was my therapy. I did not reach out to these groups that I wish I had. I, created my own form of mental recovery and probably physical as well. Cause I'm out doing stuff, but it's something for everyone. Like you're bringing other people into your, and to your point, it's the mental health. Like when you go through something, you need that community right around that. So it's you and it's, uh, are there other, you said other actors on this. So you guys have a, a, a kind of a combined show. Um, I'm going to go check it out. Sorry. So I don't yeah, know. No, you'll that, love it. Yeah. You'll love it. Uh, what I did was for each of the sketches, I brought in different actors. I had a, a okay. group of people, who you know ran the cameras and produced it and what i chose to do was as much as i possibly could put my heart and soul into it and i filled in every position and every single person volunteered their time and energy 
and essentially money because you pay for gas. You, uh, you, you, right. you got to do it. You're not yeah. making money doing the other things because they know when I told them and I shared with them and they were inspired to know that these are not just sketches. These are a sample of, of recovery of people who can get through difficult times, tragedies, mm -hmm. life-threatening illnesses, and go out and make something and be a good influence. So from beginning to end, 2012, 13 until now, and then 2022, it will be my last year of creating these, I will have worked directly with over 500 people. Wow, that is a lot of people. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I love the sentiment there, so thank you. I'm not, like, I channel surfing studios. I... I'm on my way there. So um, you'll love it. I recommend honesty app, Mr. Velcro, Zantraxanoid, which will be good for you because it's all the side mm. effects of taking medication. Yes. Okay. Very silly, lighthearted. You'll enjoy it. It'll put a smile on your face. And good. it's something you can share with people because it's not edgy or political or dirty or overtly, you know, anything that could cause people to feel uh, uncomfortable. It's just silly, lighthearted humor. Well, I can't believe you kept it inside. Just having met you today, Paul, I'm like, this is not a guy who keeps anything inside, right? This is, you know, you're letting it all hang out there with us, which I really appreciate. And I love the fact that you're giving back in that way and for such a long period of time. So thank you. Like, thank you so much for everybody, um, for the audience and for me, I'm going to go check it out. Um, and I'm going to share the story. So um, thank Wonderful. you so much for your time. And I, I hope you got some milk for your coffee and you're not drinking the bad milk. Oh, no, absolutely. Coffee. I want it to be 100% uh, physically and mentally available. Available. That's right. So that I can be my best for you and for everybody else watching and for all the people who do go to Channel Surfing Studios and watch the videos and put a smile on their face. So let's awesome. all try to be our best that we can for everyone. Being the best. Thank you, Paul. Wonderful. You have a wonderful day. Thank you for your time. You as well, Miko. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks, Paul. Bye-bye. Right.